Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I've said this before. If you want anything exciting to happen for the Red Wings, send me on vacation. The moment I'm away, the most exciting news in the last six months happened happens for Detroit. Last November, I was on a cruise and literally in the middle of the ocean when the Fabry trade happened at like, what was it, like near midnight. And then yesterday, I was on an uh, island site in the middle of a, uh, like the, the provincial park near us. It had good signal, but I wasn't really looking at my phone much. I was just using it to check the weather. And in the span of, like, what, eight hours, Sam Gagne was re-signed, and then um, Eisman acquired that that second-round pick for Mark Stahl. All while I shouldn't even have been looking at my phone. Send me on, my, send me on vacation, and everyone's happy. It's I'm a surprised you even had reception. Oh, yeah, that, that provincial park is all completely covered. Algonquin's a different story. Well, I much prefer this to when the Fabry trade happened because I was awake, bored at home, and able to tweet freely when it happened. When the Fabry trade happened, I woke up because you texted me when I was sleeping. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, cool. Literally rolled over with like one eye open, sent out like a quick initial thought. I don't even know if at that stage of being awake, I could call it thoughts, but sent out a tweet about the Fabry trade and then went to sleep. (laughs) right back to sleep this one i could type and respond and everything for hours it was great and i only had two children crawling over me while attempting to do it it's fun to get ahead of them it is fun to get ahead of them although brad can you please walk us through how evan handled the news from the moment you like sent it in our group chat what evan responded and what he posted on twitter so apparently evan was the first one to see it on twitter because he retweeted it didn't post it in our messenger ever doubt my retweet skills did not post it in our messenger chat i got lucky that i happened to log on like five minutes after the trade so i could uh, i think it might have been evan's retweet that i saw it i'm like okay cool so i post it in the chat and then i go in our group chat i go back to twitter to you know start tweeting about this top post on my feed is evan commenting on a golf channel documentary which evan doesn't comment on anything but he's commenting on a golf channel thing so i'm just like red wings make a big trade evan dot 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 quote tweet (laughs) you know we can write a discord bot that will alert you when i retweet things now we just have to teach you how to use discord yeah i know how to use discord and i know how to see retweets i'd spend more time on twitter directly than on discord so really doesn't save me any time there and to provide context to my tweet that is more important than a Mark Stahl trade to Detroit, um, that video was about a guy from Elmira who was an unreal hockey player and basically is also an unreal golfer and now rests in the NHL and qualified for the U.S. Open. Garrett Rank? Yeah, all while you know, going through cancer and losing his dad. So I thought oh that was my. far more important than... Uh, so the- it's an amazing story, but you could have tweeted about that anytime. The Mark Stahl trade was fresh. I had already moved on. The kicker <laughs> for me is when Evan brags about having already retweeted it seven minutes later. And it's like, Evan, <laughs> do you know two people who would also want to know? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I thought you guys would be in the know. I'm sorry. I, hey, man, I was working with two able-bodied human beings. 
I have children. I, at best, have access to two of my limbs at any given moment, and that's it. You have two children. (laughs) That's 200, 300% more productivity you should have on Twitter. Buddy, that you have that the opposite. (laughs) Get them a phone that only has Twitter and get them to work. (laughs) And this continuation of Evan's brand. As I was driving home from camping, I was like, I don't trust that anything's not going to happen while I'm driving. So I said, message me if anything crazy or just call me if anything crazy happens. Evan goes, I got a new skateboard. And I was like, wait, really? No, I didn't I- get a new skateboard. I got my first skateboard. Evan, <laughs> Evan the grown-ass man, got his first skateboard. Hey, look, if you want a skateboard, go skateboard. I'm just making fun of Evan and only Evan. And then I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I've always wanted one. And yeah, I went and picked one up from this place. I was like, okay. And I started driving. We uh, were planning at the time for the podcast, and Brad's like, oh, I can start a bit early. And I was like, I can too. Evan, how about you? He goes, yeah, I can. All I'm doing is icing my ankle. I, skate- <laughs> I skateboarded for five minutes today. I literally dummied my ankle. I could barely walk. Thought I was going to throw up and went home and iced my ankle on the couch. You went somewhere to where did you go to skateboard? It wasn't well, like down your driveway. Did you go well, to the odd skate park? No, there's a school oh. right near us that has actual good ground to do it on. Oh, and uh, um, good. Yeah, I've never been more aware of my own mortality than the five <laughs> minutes skateboarding today. Oh man. oh, man. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Joined by Tony Hawk today. I'm Ryan Hanna. <laughs> I'm Hockey Dad. Uh, and I'm Evan. Uh, hockey dad is Brad Crisco for any new <laughs> listeners we have today. Uh, we know this is, might be a lot of people's first time tuning in. I, I can't promise you that we're any more together than this most episodes, but we do cover everything that's going to, or that's happening in the world of the Detroit Red Wings and the NHL. Um, and this is going to be a meaty episode in terms of actual things that have happened. So first and foremost, we will be talking about the uh, trade where Eisenman acquired Mark Stahl, but more importantly, a second round draft pick from the New York Rangers. Um, the extension of uh, Sam Gagne or the, the additional contract, the one-year contract that he was signed to. Um, notes from Eisenman's press conference, media availability, whatever you want to call it, from his looked like living room or office. Um, and then rumors, kind of substantiated rumors about Tory Krug. And then maybe, <laughs> maybe after all of that, today is actually Lucas Raymond's NHL draft prospect profile. So that is arguably our biggest or tied for our biggest prospect profile and he might not even be the biggest story of the episode so that just goes to show everything that's happened so the trade who wants to kick us off here mark Stahl and a second round pick to the detroit red wings for future considerations now let's start with what detroit is sending future considerations is often hockey speak for basically nothing But since you can't actually send nothing in a trade, you have to send either future considerations or a conditional seventh. Whatever it will be, it will be inconsequential. What the Red Wings are receiving is a second round pick and Mark Stahl. And more importantly for the Rangers, Mark Stahl's $5.7 million cap hit for one more season. I believe it's $3.2 million in actual dollars that the Reddings will owe him because his contract only had 4.2 or 4.3 million on it this season. And his $1 million signing bonus has already been paid out by the Rangers. 
So the Red Wings are on the hook for uh, relatively very little actual dollars. So in terms of the contract they're bringing in, it's not substantial. It's not a lot, relatively speaking. And they got a pretty good asset to bring on such a low actual dollar hit. And the Red Wings have infinity cap space. So 5.7 really doesn't matter to them at this point. So obviously the kicker, the the important piece of this deal is the 2021 second round pick. Rangers are looking on the up and up. So odds are it'll be a mid to late round second pick, late second round pick, which is fine. You need as many as you can get. But what is Mark Stahl as a player now? Because Red Wings Twitter seemed very confused in my mentions when this trade went down. So how do we phrase this politely? Mark Stahl is not necessarily coming in as an asset. There's a reason the Rangers gave us a second round pick just to take him. According to Dom Loose Chicken's model, I know what I said. He is a near bottom of the league defenseman analytically at this point. He is not good. His best years are way behind him. Is there a possibility of a change of scenery, more important role resurgence in his career? Well, technically, yeah. Would I be banking on it? No. Is he an upgrade to whatever slappy defenseman he's going to be replacing in the lineup? Probably. Detroit's bottom pair wasn't exactly, uh, you know, top of the league. Um, the Red Wing, Steve Eisman has basically said he will be playing and it's not like he's a buyout candidate. Where Mark Stahl actually will benefit the Red Wings by playing for them this year, whether people want to argue it matters or not, is legitimate experience. He's been around for a long time. He was, at one point, a very good defenseman in the NHL. He's not anymore, but he was. He's been to multiple conference finals. He's been to the Stanley Cup finals. Let's not forget the New York Rangers were a very good team for most of his tenure with them. And he was a very important part of those teams, especially on like the defensive defense side. So you get him across from a guy like Mo Sider, Dennis Chalosky, Philip Hironik. He can only help them with his knowledge, even if his body isn't able to do the things he wants to do anymore. So while he won't contribute much on ice, he should hopefully contribute a lot in the room. But obviously the fact that he's coming along with a second round pick, it doesn't matter what he does this year. If he is anything above a complete tire fire of a defenseman, that's a bonus because he is literally being given to the Red Wings to no longer be the Rangers problem. Yeah. I saw a lot of hopeful excitement saying stall really added to the value of the deal for Eisenman. And it's like, you know what? I, I, the enthusiasm is good. <laughs> good times are hard to come by for Red Wings fans, so it doesn't hurt to to be hopeful for that. But like Brad is saying here, set your expectations very low for Mark Stahl. I took a look back at his underlying numbers, and I think 2015-2016 was the last season where he had um, a positive impact in his own defensive zone in terms of um, shot suppression. So couple that with what brad just mentioned he's not going to be a guy who you can go out there and expect to be um setting the world on fire if he was he wouldn't come with a second round pick he's a body at on the left side which is good so if he he can string together some good games or even 
play remotely solidly with a, a guy who can use that kind of anchor on the left side, or even if Detroit scratches him or buys him out or trades him immediately, it doesn't really matter because the fruit of this deal is the second round pick. That is the value. And that is the, the breaking of the ice of Eisman doing what we've been talking about for a long time now, which is leveraging Detroit's incredible amount of cap space coupled with the fact that there's a flat cap added to the fact that owners are broke as shit. So that's the first time Eisenman has done that, and um, $5.7 million bought him a – or $5.7 million in cap, that is, not real dollars, bought him a second-round pick. In terms of value, where do you guys land on that? I think the Red Wings did great. I know a lot of people immediately jumped to the, well, Patrick Marlowe was only making a little bit more, and the Leafs got a first-round pick from last year. Well, Patrick Marlowe was owed more real dollars, and the Leafs were in a bigger bind than the Rangers are. And given that Mark Stahl's actual dollars owed was was so little relative to his cap hit, it's not a big burden for the team that's getting him to take on. So I think a second-round pick was great value for him. Uh, again, in terms of toxic contracts around the NHL, it wouldn't have been my first choice because there are definitely contracts out there that would yield a bigger return, but the Red Wings are going to have cap space to do it again. Unless they don't throw, unless they throw a ton of money at Jakob Marston or Tori Krug, they're going to have tons of cap space after Mantha and after Bertuzzi resign to go out and get more. And Max even asked Steve Eisenman in his presser. Are you done with deals like this? And Eisenman, uh, being Eisenman, uh, spoke three paragraphs to say, yeah, no, we will absolutely entertain doing this again. We would like to do this again. We need more assets. So yeah, bring us your your dead, gloomy contracts and we will give these bodies somewhere to go. Yeah, Eisenman's exact line here that he gave back to Max was, Nobody wants to give up picks or prospects, but sometimes you have to do what you have to do to make your team better. And we're trying to... I don't want to say take advantage of that, but find teams that are in a position that need to do that. And again, we're trying to add picks or prospects and at the same time, ice a team. What Eisenman is saying there is, look, nobody in the league wants to make these trades. And we've talked about this. We are all, we drop all these hypotheticals, but in reality, in a normal world, these trades aren't common. The only reason we're talking about it so much is because there's a perfect storm for this. So Eisenman's acknowledging that and saying, Look, teams don't want to do it, but tough shit. You gotta. You're in a tough spot and you have to make moves. And I'm here to do business. That he's saying, he's like, he says, I don't want to take advantage of that. He's saying he's, he wants to take advantage of that. So for anybody worried that this is all that is going to come, that might be the case, but it won't be uh, for a lack of trying from Eisenman. His foot is on the gas. I think there's one more, at least one more coming from him if he can help it. And I think it's going to be a big one. I, I, I see him targeting a flurry. I see him targeting a Louis Erickson. I think he's going for a big one. Well, I'm curious about the Louis Erickson one because Jim Benning has said he's not giving up more picks, which you don't have good enough prospects to get rid of Louis Erickson if you're not willing to do that, if we're just being honest. So, I mean, there's Alex Kalorn in Tampa. There's Marc-Andre Fleury in Vegas. There's take uh, You can probably pick a couple from St. Louis. And that's just a small fraction of the teams that are going to be looking to shed bad contracts because of whether it's they need to get under the cap, they need to get under their internal cap, or they're eyeing some big free agents and they need to make room for them. So it's going to be out there. Uh, the only way Eisenman doesn't take another stab at a bad contract like Mark Stahl is if he lands a big fish in free agency. Because the Which Red we'll Wings... Yeah. 
because right now, with if we look at the math of this, roughly, the Red Wings have six more forward contracts to sign, two of which are Anthony Mantha and Tyler Bertuzzi, and they have three defensive contracts that they need to sign. And again, this could be anybody. This is just what's going to be relevant towards the cap hit. They have set $27 million, $27.2 million in cap space after Mark Stahl and Sam Gagne. That does not include Henrik Zetterberg going on LTI, LTIR because that doesn't kick in until the season actually begins. So in uh, for all intents and purposes, they have $33 million in cap space. What are Mantha and Bertuzzi going to take up on the high end of that? $12 million? Okay. And then you have seven more roster players that you have to sign and they have nobody else significant to sign. So you could probably average those out at about a million bucks per. Okay. That's 19 million out of your 33. That means Eisenman has roughly $14 million in cap space to go big, big game hunting on bad contracts or big free agents. We'll talk about the free agents later because we, I'm sure we all have opposing thoughts on that. But in terms of what Eisenman can do with the cap right now, it's basically anything he wants. Just a quick note there before I throw to Evan here for his thoughts. LTIR is a pretty complicated thing, and I know it changes based on where a team is and whether they're close to the cap or at the cap, and Detroit's pretty far away. So I would prop the way I've been doing it is just ignoring Zetterberg for now. I reread the LTIR uh, stuff in the CBA a million times, and it is incredibly difficult. Um, well, anyhow. But the way, from what I'm to understand, if the Red Wings don't get within six million of the cap, then it doesn't matter. But if they do, they can activate it. So for again, for all intents and purposes, they have 33 mil. And if they choose not to use all of it, so be it. Evan, your thoughts on a second round pick based on whatever market value is? Yeah, it's good enough. I don't think New York was in a huge, huge bind to to move on from the Mark Saul contract, but it definitely gave them some of the flexibility they needed. Um, my other point was all of this conjecture is based on that the the Detroit Red Wings don't have an internal cap. Yeah, well, it, it's doesn't seem like you don't go out and buy guys that you have to pay millions of dollars to when you don't really well they could only have 15 of 30 million available for for example i don't know i I don't think this this is a team signaling that they have an internal cap it's not really what i see the rangers they no, they have big uh restricted for agents they have to sign tony d'angelo and a couple others are due for new contracts and they do not have a lot of space so oh he's referencing new york yeah i was talking about detroit oh sorry oh yeah he was talking about detroit yeah well well. um the 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 point very quickly when people talk about the marlo deal the thing is when that deal was made it was considered a pretty ballsy move from dubis which is code for pretty big overpayment and you're going to be hard pressed to find a GM who's going to dip their toes in that water again because Dubas took a lot of heat for that and pretty much had to scramble to try to recover that pick a year later, which he did an excellent job of. Um, but it's a pretty big risk. So adding on to what Brad mentioned, like the, the, the details and minutia of that trade at the time in terms of dollars owed and the position the team was in, that was a pretty big swing and it doesn't happen very often so i wouldn't try to set that as the bar no matter who you cheer for because you're going to be disappointed a lot not only that jeff gordon is is not he's a really good gm he's a really strong gm with a a good understanding of uh of the cap and 
I don't think he is one to have given away a first round pick for that. If they were close to competing for the cup, maybe, but yeah, no. Um, so the that trade happened. The Red Wings got a body at left D. Whether or not he ever plays or plays well, it doesn't matter. The second round pick, and that is a 2021 second round pick. So that's not this upcoming draft. So this year, Detroit has three second round draft picks, their own Edmonton's and Washington's. Next year, as of right now, Detroit has three second round draft picks, their own Edmonton's and New York's. So that's what Eisenman has stocked up for the second round for this year and next so far. Um, another other moves that Eisman made yesterday, obviously the big one was extending Turner Elson. No, I'm kidding. It was the one year contract extension for, uh, six game Red Wings veteran Sam Gagne, which, uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see. I'm a big fan of that. So just because I'm the one who was most anti this trade when it happened, I'll be the one to point it out because I find it hilarious. We live in a reality where the Red Wings are going to get more value out of Sam Gagne than the Edmonton Oilers got out of Andreas Athanasiu. Yep. And then you have the two second round picks on top of that. One of which is pick 46 this year because Edmonton, air quotations, missed the playoffs. So not that it was necessarily Athanasiu or the Oilers fault because, you know, the pandemic happened and his coach horribly misplayed him there. But my God, this is... This went from a trade I was didn't love the return on when it happened to appearing to be highway robbery in hindsight. But with Sam Gagne, because that's what's relevant here. He is pretty much the Red Wings' only right shot power play option now, again, and still outside of Philip Hironic, but he's a defenseman, so I don't really think they're in the same category. Uh, he's great on the power play. Columbus fans still talk about how they miss him on the power play. Um, he's not going to give you much value at five on five, but he will be an upgrade over literally any of the bottom six forwards we paraded out last year. There's a reasonable chance he ends up playing on the second line. If Rob, if the Robbie Fabry to center experiment goes through, the likely second line is Gagne, Fabry, and Zadina. As, as terrible by it as an NHL second line as that would be that's a likely reality and somehow probably still better than last year's but I mean it's depth it's cheap it's good depth it's depth that can actually play offense he's terrible defensively but he can play offense so he's the exact opposite of what the rest of our bottom six has been for the last I, I don't know 37 years so it's a change in the positive direction because again I know I've while the season was still going on, I I could not stop repeating how sick I was of seeing the Christopher Ends and Darren Helms and Justin Ablocators and Adam Ernie's of the world, these players who are fine defensively, but just completely and utterly incapable of producing offense. My four-year-old daughter who started hockey literally yesterday would produce as much offense as Justin Ablocator did this year, which is exactly zero. Um, wow, I got angry there. But anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very <laughs> you good. Very, man. I'm very happy Sam Gagne is coming back. I'm not a big proponent of the Red Wings bringing in free agents over the age of 30. I'm not a big proponent of the Red Wings bringing in many free agents at all. But if they're going to bring one in, he might as well be half decent and cheap. And Sam Gagne checks both those boxes. Yeah, walking into this offseason, if you asked us who we'd be comfortable with, you know, coming in as a free agent, not getting any assets for bringing them on, Gagne would have been probably on all three of our lists. Um, 
in addition to what Brad mentioned, which is, you know, effective and actual veteran presence and coming in at under a million, 850,000 was his deal. So effectively the least amount of cap hit possible. Um, he's just a good guy. Like he's a fan favorite wherever he goes for, for good reason. He played six games in Detroit season ended or was cut short and he was already doing fundraisers for local Detroit charities, uh, regarding food security. Like, I'm not a huge fan of like, he's a great guy off the ice. So let's just reward him and give a million dollar, like million year, $10 million contracts. I think Detroit's been burned by that before, but that's not what this is. Right. So if you need, Brad will say competent bums. I'll say warm bodies. Um, Eisman will say guys that can play. All of this to say is basically just a sufficient amount of players on the ice to just go in and not be completely awful. Gagne is absolutely um, in my mind, a, a good deal on that front. He's not going to shatter worlds. He's not going to go in and be the best second line center in the league. Hell, he might not even play center <laughs> for Detroit, but I like it for their depth. And that's the kind of depth that I want for this phase of the rebuild. So yeah, big fan of it and, and just all around a good guy. Evan is currently reading his stats page. Yeah. Okay. We brought Sam Gagne back. He seems like a good dude. <laughs> whatever like <laughs> wake me up when it's someone else wake me up when turner ellison gets extended wake me up <sighs> when my ankle's not swollen you, you guys know yourself, it's man. september right the joke was right there and neither of you it. took it i i won't do it i, won't I will do not it. do that either and, no. and this what is why you guys know guitar actually anyways here's wonderwall moving on <laughs> um okay so, uh, other news from that uh, Eisenman media availability confirmed, which is this won't come as a big surprise, that Jonathan Erickson and Trevor Daly are not going to be offered contracts, and thus their period or their era with the Red Wings are over. Oh, so, that's no. 13 seasons. D- daily is daily. Like, we kind of figured that would happen even when he signed his contract, but the lot he had a meteoric drop off like oh my god that guy fell off a cliff that was some of the worst hockey i've seen played for the last while there um season or season or two um jonathan erickson 13 seasons started in oh was he in the 08 cup run or 09 where he started uh Uh, i think he he was around for the 08 but i'm pretty sure he was he was just a black ace for that run he played eight games in 07 and then he played one game in 08. Wait, that's a lie. Evan can't read. Uh, he played 19 <laughs> in 08. Uh, he did come in. He did the Darren Helm thing where he played more playoffs than anything else earlier on. Yes, he um, played 22 playoff games. Actually, he had four goals, four assists. Yeah, he looked... Well, he was paired with Nicholas Lidstrom, which is why we were all so hyped for him at the beginning. Anyhow, my feelings have been clear on Jonathan Erickson for a long time. I'm not going to rip on this guy as his time with the Red Wings are winding down. Um, altogether a smart hockey mind apparently. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him offered a, uh, a position with the team in some capacity, but that's the end of that era. Not a surprise. He's like one of the last, not the last vestige. We have two big ones with Abdulkader and Nielsen, but he is a big hallmark of like the, the Ken Holland type signings that would continue to be made regardless of how the player played. So, so one thing I want to talk about with Jonathan Erickson is, The dude played his entire career with the Red Wings. He was 
the last overall pick in his draft. He turned that into a lengthy career. And whether or not you can say he was a good NHLer, if you get an you get an NHLer out of the last overall pick in a draft, it's a success, it's a successful pick. And Jan- Jonathan Erickson was nothing but a good dude and loyal to the Red Wings his entire career. So if you were one of those assholes on Twitter today saying, good, good riddance to bad rubbish, screw this guy, glad to see him go. Listen, we're all happy to never see him play hockey for the Red Wings again, but if you were disparaging the man, Jonathan Erickson, you suck as a person and should stop tweeting because that dude deserved none of that. There was so much garbage on Twitter today. None of that. It actually makes the entire... It just makes... The fan base look bad. Like this guy, like you know, sacrifices bodily well-being to play in the NHL and be a member of the Detroit Red Wings. Whether he had a Hall of Fame career or just a cup of coffee, like you should still always thank someone for you know sacrificing their well-being for your team that you support from your couch. Like the amount of garbage that I read today was sad. Like That's- the dude had bad hips for basically most of his career it's amazing he could skate not well but he could skate and he could play in the nhl the dude gave it his all again i will read it i am very happy to never see him play hockey for the red wings again but yeah i'm hoping he sticks around in the organization he's a smart friendly dude he would be good in an nhl front office and it sucks his body betrayed him And he couldn't at least be an average NHL defenseman. And it's not his fault that Ken Holland gave him that awful contract. It's the same thing we've been preaching for years with Abdulkader. Yeah, that contract might be the worst in the entire NHL. It's not his fault. What, if you're a player and you suck, but your GM comes and says, yeah, $30 million, take it or leave it. Of course you're going to take it. So separate the player from the contract, separate the person from the player. People lose this way too often. Just wait till Abdul Kader is retired or no no longer coming back. Like it's Ooh, gonna yeah. be even worse. And like I don't like Justin Applicator as a Detroit Red Wing. I wish he wasn't on the team. We'd probably be better. But I will still say, you know, thank you for all the sacrifices you made in the, the years that we, you know, had a good team. And does a lot like these people do a lot of work for the community too. Like Abdul exactly. is Abdulkader does so much uh, for the community, for Michigan as a whole. And it's like, that's that's the tough thing about sports is like you just wish people do a little bit better of, of separating the shit, just like the absolutely atrocious contract. If I'm like, if, if Ken Holland knocked on my door right now and said, Ryan, I'll give you $6 million a year for eight or for seven years as a free agent. And you've never stepped on the ice in the NHL. Of course, I'd say yes. And I'd go out there and I'd piss off every Edmonton Oilers fan in the world. I would not say no. You don't say no to that money. These guys were offered contracts that they shouldn't have been offered. They took it because th- what are they there to do besides maximize their career earnings and win? But let's not let's be real. Everyone's trying to maximize their career earnings. They they got it. They got those contracts. It's not their fault that they had great agents and Ken Holland was bad at negotiating UFA contracts. And and here we are. So yeah, be happy that they're not on the team anymore. But let's just not. Uh, I don't know. It's silly to take it personal as a message here. Uh, uh, what do you mean? I take everything personal on the internet. <laughs> I mean, I have, I have a justice in this world to end these people's online abil- abilities to comment. Stupid things. 
Evan, you talked about them, uh, you know, putting their bodies on the line. I don't think they are. They they can be compared to what you did, though. Listen, they have never seen had their ankle this big <laughs> in their life. They don't know what it's like. Uh, any other uh, notes from this uh, Eisenman presser? He talked about trying Fabry out at center, which like is news, but it's not. Everyone's going to be tried out at that center spot. It's just the reality of there is no good second line center for Detroit. So unless they get one, everyone's going to be filling in there. Is Fabry better as a wing? Yeah, absolutely. Are they going to need to put use him as a center? Yeah, probably. Just the way it shakes out. Yep. Same with Sam Gagne. Same with Valtteri Filppula. Same with Michael Rasmussen. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll probably get a little bit of that this year. Yeah. The old revolving door. Yeah. Um, Rasmussen loaned to the same team that Marco Rossi is playing with right now. Cool. Hope he does well. Uh, okay. More Red Wings news. Um, Tory Krug. Boston's apparently shopping uh, Tory Krug's rights as a UFA. So it's not Tory Krug completely. It's the rights to negotiate with him before unrestricted free agency. So if you haven't seen those deals before, they're usually a lot more limited. So you're going to see something weird like a third and a sixth round pick for Tory Krug. And you're, you're going to go, what? But that's without a contract. It's literally for the honor of speaking to him. Uh, two months before everyone else. How many times are people going to have to correct that online when it happens? Oh, a lot. Infinity. Yeah. Yeah. And and Ryan said third round pick. I don't even think it'll cost that much, honestly, unless there gets to be a bidding war. So, I'll just go out and say it. I don't like it. I don't like the idea of signing Tory Krug to begin with. I don't like the idea of giving up any pick to negotiate to possibly sign Tory Krug. Now, let me preface this. If Tory Krug is willing to come here on a relatively short-term deal, let's say three to five years, I'm very for this move because then you're locking him into his age 33 to 34 to 35 years. I like Tory Krug enough to think he'll hold up that long. As an undersized defenseman in the NHL, I'm not super sold he'll hold up that long, but I think it's a reasonable gamble. If I'm Tory Krug, am I going to even entertain the idea of a short-term deal? Absolutely not. This is the last big contract of his career. He's out of his mind if he takes anything less than five years, or I'll even say five years or less. Because I'll be like, no, man, this is my last contract. Take me to 37 and then let me sail off into the sunset with all the money in the world that I can. Also, if I'm Tory Krug and there's multiple teams offering me big money contracts, I'm not going to the Red Wings. I don't care that he's from Michigan. There's uh, What were some of the other teams rumored to be in on this? Vegas, Florida, whoever, teams that, you know could actually compete for multiple Stanley Cups under his contract. Yeah, I, that also seems like a better option for me. So if I can get very similar money from a better team in a better position, and depending on the team in a better in a better weather uh, region, I'd be very inclined to do that. Re- Detroit is still a destination, destination for free agents when they're good. They're not going to be that in the next couple of years. So... I get why people are excited about Krug. I, I honestly, as much as I say I'm against this move, if I see Tory Krug walking out in a Red Wings jersey, part of me is going to get real giddy. Um, 
but I just I don't see the the reality where the Red Wings turn it around quick enough to get value out of whatever contract Tory Krug signs, even if it's only you know four or five years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is a lot like the Markstrom thing for me, where it's like, Brad, I think fundamentally everything you just said was correct. Like, if you break this down into like a, a moves on paper, yeah, Detroit has a window where they can reasonably start competing, and that's not soon. Unless a lot of things shake out for them, like we travel backwards in time and they win the draft lottery, and we travel forwards in time and we win the chain right draft lottery, and, you know, just a lot of that kind of business. That's not the luck that the Red Wings have had. Lately, that's not the luck that the Red Wings have had over the past five years. So I don't count on that window being accelerated. So yeah, how do you turn that into value? But let's double back to what I said last episode, which is that I'm tired of banking on things going right. And I'm tired of waiting for the perfect time to get all these good players. This might just be boiling down to Eisman saying, look, I know it's not likely, but when do you have an opportunity to sign a Tory Krug in free agency? When do you have an opportunity to sign a Jacob Markstrom in uh, free agency? free agency. You don't. It's not very often. He's like, I'm going to take my crack at it. I'm not going to not add a good player just because it's not perfect timing right now. Maybe we don't get good value out of him. We we work it out later. He's like, I, maybe Eisman's thing in his head is, I'll pay him more so I don't have to give him a no move clause. So if it's definitely not going to work out for us, we can still move Tory, Tory Krug for value. That could be it. The Red Wings don't want to be a 17-win team ever again. We talked about that before. We've talked about that plenty of times. It's okay to be the worst team in the league while you're rebuilding because it maximizes your chances of winning the draft lottery. You cannot be as bad as Detroit was last season. Plain and simple, it is awful for the team. It shakes them to their core. They won't like and I as a fan, as much as I'm I'm looking I'm I'm future thinking and I'm I'm thinking about wanting to the Red Wings to be competitive and competitive in a sustainable way where year after year after year, like the Tampa Bay Lightning are right now, competing for the cup. That of course I want that to happen. But like you said, Brad, I'm not going to be sad about seeing Tory Krug in a Red Wings jersey. You have a chance to sign the hometown kid who's the, the premier UFA. You got to do it. You got to try to make those moves. All that said, I think this is a we're going to take a crack at it. I think it's extremely unlikely. I don't think Krug comes here. Well, a, sorry. Go ahead, Evan. I have a better idea. How hmm. about we pass on Tory Krug and wait two years when we have a better outlook at what the team's going to be? And we sign someone like Hampus Lindholm, who will be a UFA, or someone like Seth Jones, or hey, another Michigan person, Zach Wierenski. Or if we want to go back to the Boston pool, hey, there's a Charlie McAvoy available as well. So that's the thing, too, that I kind of, I I agreed with most of what you said, Ryan, except for one thing where you said it's not every summer you get a chance to sign a guy like Tori Krug. It and is every is. summer you get a chance to sign a guy like Tori well, Krug. You guys. It is. There's always free agents. Now, obviously, to varying degrees, like this summer, particularly rare, where you have Alex Petrangelo and Tori Krug on the market. And not necessarily will you get a guy of Tori Krug's uh, skill level next summer or the summer after or whatever, but there's always options available there, whether they're bigger, better, cheaper, doesn't matter there's options names uh, that yeah sorry finish your thought yeah so it it would be nice and what what this basically comes down to me is what would you say is the red wings absolute best case scenario for a turnaround two more 
lean years and then all of a sudden they like all the prospects hit and they get real good and then they're in like their young Chicago contender window. Are you really betting on Tory Krug at 33 years old to be worth the likely $7 million he's going to be making? That, I wouldn't bet on that. I really, really wouldn't. If I was a team that was like ugh, one piece away from the cup, okay, yeah, I don't think Tory Krug's going to be worth $7 million, but he's going to improve our team. So we have to bite that bullet, and that's fine. Like for a team like Vegas, that makes a ton of sense. Um, for a team like Detroit, it just doesn't, it it really, really doesn't. I just mm, can't bring my head around it. So if you need to get really, like you really need to sign someone in the next couple of years, like what next year's UFA class isn't ultra great. Um, Dougie Hamilton is the first one that, that pops up to me, obviously would be an excellent addition. Yeah. Um, Brandon Smith's available. I've heard he's a uh, good puck moving offensive defenseman. Um, <laughs> if we really need to, you know, I, I've heard more, that as well. <laughs> if we need to be more defensive, there's a Patrick Nemeth available as well. Um, oh, if we need a big shot blocker, there's Chris Russell. Um, who, next year's not looking super great by a quick one over of um, UFA defensemen, but. The Red Wings have nothing but time right now, so the the iron's not hot. You may as well. I yes, having Tori Krug would be awesome, and obviously the team gets instantly better. But seeing who's available two years down the road, when we have a better vision of what this team is and if they will one day be a contender, I think obviously Steve Eisenman's aware of this. Well, uh, the thing that is a little confusing confusing to me about this from the timing perspective is I, I know it wasn't the main part of the trade, but you look at the left side of the Red Wings defense now to Kaiser, Nemeth, Stahl, Chalosky. One of them's already not going to be playing. I mean, and it's probably going to be Chalosky, which I, I vehemently disagree with, but I mean, that's the reality of it. Whatever. You bring in another left shot defenseman, unless you're planning on buying out Stahl or flipping a lefty to the right side, which then probably knocks Cider out of the lineup. Like, I mean, again, if you were a good team, yeah, you always acquire better players, even if it means knocking a good player out of the lineup. The Red Wings don't have any good players, so we're knocking mediocre players out of the lineup, but mediocre players are top four defensemen for us right now. So, I mean, we, we need to get, like, Cider and Chalosky and these guys ice time and bringing in Stahl and Krug in like a few day stretch is confusing at the very least for me because that is now going from the bare minimum of defensemen to now a surplus that I'm not sure how they would handle unless they just say screw it and buy out Stahl. Hey Mark, thanks for your tenure. Uh, Go sign with the contender. I think it's a combination of two things. I think it's one, what you said, Brad, where it's like you always take an opportunity to grab a good player. And if he bumps out a good, uh, uh, another player, then that's kind of just how it works out. You never pass up an opportunity to improve. And two, I think Eisenman saying, we don't even know when we're playing hockey next. I'll deal with it when I deal with it. I'm just going to do my thing right now. I don't know that he had like I, I don't know that he's going into this with a rigid thought. I think he's taking opportunities as he sees them. All of this is also to say that it's an actual true fact that the that Detroit is going to be, you know, a big suitor for Krug. 
one, I, I don't know how much the hometown advantage waits for Krug because Detroit's not a competitive team and won't be anytime soon. Um, and two, are people just are saying this because Krug is from the area? Like, if well, he wasn't, would there be... I mean, that's a stupid question, but is there anything substantiating this other than people just drawing the geographical connection or people just automatically doing that? Well, the, of course, Red Wings fans want Tory Krug. He's a good player and he's a hometown boy. I absolutely get the appeal. And like, if you were just the casual fan and you saw, oh my God, one of the, you know, top defensemen on a good team wants to sign in our shitty little team. Hell yeah. Sign me up. And like, I mean, nobody should look as deep into the math and the contracts and the term and the ages we do. But, and I think a lot of this is fan driven, but yeah, I mean, when it's almost like sometimes the prophecy is self-fulfilling, right? You know what I mean? So if you say it loud enough and often enough, maybe it gets the, it gets to the right ear of the right person. He's like, Hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but but again, just for perspective, the Red Wings have a ton of cap space and they can do whatever they want with it. But if you're putting me like up against a wall and you say you're spending six and a half million dollars for the next five years, you can have either Tory Krug or Jakob Markstrom. Who's it going to be? I'm picking Markstrom. Like a position where the Red Wings have a bigger hole. I mean, I have more faith in a, in a large goalie to play well into his mid thirties than a small defenseman to play well into his mid thirties. So, I mean, if the Red Wings are even going to go big game hunting in free agency, which I don't think they should do, but if they do, Krug isn't even the guy I'm picking. Mind you five plus years for a goalie right now for Detroit is that goalie's life. It'll feel like 10 years. Oh yeah. He'll age exponentially fast. Yeah, we all we've all seen the interstellar. Yeah, we've all seen the memes of Barack Obama when he started his presidency to the end. Markstrom would be that times five. Yeah, we need Bernays before and after. (laughs) It'd be like Benjamin Button. (laughs) Jimmy Howard actually um, filmed the season or filmed the uh, aged Captain America from Avengers Endgame. That Uh, that was just Jimmy Howard with no makeup. If Jakob Markstrom played five years for this iteration of the Red Wings, at the end of it, if you put a picture of him directly next to Bernie Sanders, you would not be able to tell the difference. Hey, you keep saying Jakob Markstrom, and a couple of people have pointed out to me that it's Jacob. Are you certain it's Jakob? Nope, but that's I remember that's what it was back in the World Juniors, and that's how I've been pronouncing it ever since, and nobody's corrected me. Because most – so here's – this isn't true, but this is just what I do. If it's a <laughs> okay. European – and I see a J, I just assume it's a soft J until someone corrects me. Because you, statistically, if, I'm right most often that way, but eventually it's not going to be. If you had name controversy on your bingo card, you may uh, cross that one off. <laughs> there we go. All right, I'm hey, it's not a Finnish name this time, though, so we're evolving. Well, I don't know if I'd call it evolving. Um, not the right way, which- but... I'm going to move us along to the draft here. Before we start the prospect profile, just a quick note about um, there were some media availabilities for for the media availability for the top prospects, um, and they just kind of gave their their thoughts and some tidbits about their interviews with teams because obviously there's no actual combine this year. So there's the thing that went around a while back about Perfetti on his like third or fourth interview with the Red Wings, and everyone was like, "Ah, oh, it's definitely Perfetti," and I think it was. Either Brad or Evan, you guys pointed out, well, probably every top prospect's having three or four interviews with the Red Wings. Um, 
which was confirmed. So yeah, Perfetti mentioned that the the interviews with the Red Wings are mostly just um, like uh, Draper and his team asking the questions with the knowledge that Eisenman was in the call. He was on the call, but just muted and not really participating too much. Um, just like listening and taking notes, which can you imagine how intimidating that would be knowing Steve Eisenman's listening to the call and just evaluating you silently? Um, and th- that's normal. Like that's not anything to write home about. I'd imagine how a lot of these would go. That's how a lot of these would go. Marco Rossi, um, and this might have just been like a you know a figure of speech, but he says he also expectedly talked to the Red Wings a few times and said his talks with Eisman directly were good. Like he said, my conversations with Eisman were good. So is there a difference there? Is is Eisman actually speaking directly to Rossi? Is he is he intrigued by Marco Rossi? And that's especially interesting because over this past weekend, we've seen Detroit linked more heavily to Perfetti and Raymond than anyone else. And I'm like, oh, has Rossi been kind of knocked out of the mix, including Drysdale? And there's there's Rossi saying, oh, no, I've, I've talked to Eisenman directly. Well, a few things here first. And I, we've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating now. We saw zero connection between the Red Wings and Mo Sider till the day of the draft last year. So I, I don't believe for a second that anything concrete has leaked from the Red Wings front office. Yeah, I believe they like Perfetti. Yeah, I believe they like Raymond. But I mean, they're picking fourth overall in a very deep draft. Of course, they're going to like these players. And I'm sure when their scouts are talking to people in the building and they go, hey, Cole Perfetti on the ice, be like, oh, yeah, that kid's great. People run with that, right? Two, I mean, Iserman is still a human being. He's going to have moods. He's going to have strategies. He's not going to go into every interview with the exact same approach if he know if he really truly has been talking to jim devolano and chris osgood and has been in constant communication with saginaw about cole perfetti like we have assumed he has been well yeah then he doesn't need to take the lead on the cole perfetti interview he's probably already got most of what he needs to know whereas with marco rossi there's probably been less information there so eisenman's a little more on the yeah we need to get more information about this kid because we're operating with less of a spreadsheet on him than we are perfetti and you know anybody else where they have connections and we need to let uh, pierre dorian know that we've uh, interviewed jamie drysdale seven times yes today today so uh, and the third possibility is these kids could just out and out be lying or over-exaggerating because they've been told to. Maybe the Iserman said, don't say anything about the interviews, and Perfetti said, didn't say anything, and maybe Rossi missed that message, or maybe Iserman forgot to tell him. I don't know. There's a million reasons why people say the dumb shit that they do. Like, look at all the crap we've spewed over the last five years. There's no reason <laughs> behind it. It's just air whistling through our heads and then somehow forming noise in our mouth. I mean, they're kids. These are literal kids. I don't read too much into it. So, I mean, Cole Perfetti, I'm not convinced is eligible for this draft. Dude looks like he's 12. So, in fairness, so do you. And you have two kids. I know. I'm just saying. But I I don't read too, too much into that because there are so many variables that we don't and can't know. The message here is that it's fun to speculate about not anything worthwhile. So let's get to something worthwhile, which is probably Brad's favorite prospect profile that we are going to do. Um, 
Swedish winger, one of the top ranked prospects in the prospects in the NHL draft, and a favorite for a lot of Red Wings uh, fans at fourth overall. Uh, left winger out of Frölunda in the SHL, Lucas Raymond. Lucas Raymond, arguably the type of player the Red Wings need more than any other in this draft, and all around offensive dynamo who can score goals and create plays. He's an excellent playmaker. Probably when it comes to edge work and agility, the best skater in this draft. North-South, not even close, but he's at least above average in that respect. Terrific hockey IQ. Fantastic shot. I mean, you don't want to take small sample size and recency bias into a decision this big, but he has had a fantastic preseason in the SHL and played two fantastic games to start the SHL season. I think he's got a goal and a primary assist already in two games. Um, apparently, he added a lot of weight in the offseason, so you could tell he was taking his training very seriously. Dominated every inter- almost every international tournament he's played in, and that's usually as an underager, a double underager, and in some cases, a triple underager. The, the guy is a freak despite being undersized. So what does that mean for the Red Wings? I think that if Lucas Raymond is drafted by the Red Wings, he is their best prospect by a country mile, and it's not particularly close. I would expect within five years, he is the best player on the Red Wings. He is that special. There is no aspect of the game of hockey I would call him weak. Um, His defensive game is a work in progress, and his physical game is a work in progress. But when you're sub six feet tall, I think that just comes with the territory. He's not afraid, though. He'll play to the middle of the ice. He'll play in traffic. He'll play along the boards, and he does it well. Um, I, I, he, he is just so dynamic. That is the word that jumps to me with Lucas Raymond. He makes things happen. However, they need to happen, whether that's with his skating and his edge work, his shot, his creativity, his playmaking, his zone entries. This guy, it's unfair to call him a jack of all trades because that makes it sound like he's a master of none, but he's a master of a punch. I I love the guy. He steps up in big situations. Hattrick in the gold medal game of the U18s, including the overtime winner against Yaroslav Askarov to win Sweden that gold medal. He stepped up in these big games constantly. I mean, there's there's nothing to not like about this guy's game. He's exciting and skilled. Raymond, for me, is uh, obviously he's a winger, and that puts him at a disadvantage up against the other two premier um, candidates at that spot, excluding any of the top three falling out, which are Perfetti and Rossi, who are both listed as centermen. Raymond is debatable skilled. on Perfetti. Yeah, Raymond is skilled enough and dangerous enough offensively and incredibly intelligent, and his hockey IQ is so high that he is legitimately projected to be a line driver from the wing. No one is even doing that thing where they say, oh, he's so talented, we'll move him to center and we'll use the skills there. No, he's projected to be a line driver from the wing. That is how talented he is. You want elite talent? Look at his skill with the puck. Look at all the different ways he beats defenders. He can make them look stupid with the puck on a stick, dishing out a pass, like seeing a play that isn't there yet, but reading it in advance. He is the quintessential when you want high hockey IQ, here's who you look for. Like that, the way he plays the game just screams. He sees everything on the ice as it's happening and before it happens. Um, 
and like Brad said, there's some like he he's almost a little over scouted because people are trying to find flaws in his game, but I really don't think there is a huge one. And the biggest thing that he did at this offseason was get you know heavier and faster. He got stronger and faster, which is amazing because as you said, Brad. His, his north-south skating, yeah, wasn't like phenomenal, but his edge work is so good. And that's what I care most about. I want a guy who can, his, his first five steps are, are fantastic. I want a guy who can, who can cut and have a low, wide, strong stance while he deploys his incredible puck skills. And he's still got quicker north-south. Lucas Raymond, you think of how good you have to be as a solid winger. You are not playing anything other than wing to compete against the, uh, the, the projected centerman in draft rankings. The guy is, has elite hands. Uh, he, he has elite hockey IQ. Um, he's a phenomenal playmaker. I think his shot has a lot of room to improve and I can see it improving a lot as well. If the Red Wings take Raymond and, and he is, in the mix for my favorite at fourth overall, I think they have a guy they don't have to be worried about that that he won't play center because I think he's a, a first line line driver, a power play, one quarterback. That's who you're looking at. And if you swing and a miss on Lucas Raymond, then at least you're shooting for the stars. You know, you're trying to knock it out of the park, and that's what he could be. I, I think Raymond plays. I think he's a pretty safe bet because he he has enough abrasiveness in his game. Not that that's his thing, but like he doesn't need to play on a top line to be effective. He could play on your second or third line and still be very effective because A, his game's adaptable, and B, he is a line driver. Um, and if you want to look at, again, we're relating this directly to the Red Wings and their fourth overall pick, he has one distinct advantage over the other four forwards around him in the draft. When you look at Byfield and Stutzla and Perfetti and Rossi, he shoots right. The red, the right side of the Red Wing system is almost literally non-existent. Their top prospect on the right side right now is Sam Gagne. There, there is nothing there. They all shoot left. Every one of them. It's just an endless sea of left-handed forwards, and you have this wunder kid who shoots right coming in. I mean, all things being equal, if you consider Perfetti and Raymond to be of equal skill, equal equal talent, I mean, tiebreaker probably goes to the right shot here. So Sam Gagne has someone to finally offset him on the right side. <laughs> Ryan, we already have an elite skating offensive player. His name's Darren Helm. Oh, Please, my God. Uh, correct that in the notes. Did um, you drink before this episode, Evan? What's that? Sorry. Did you drink before this episode? No. It's the painkillers. Yes. Anyways, keep going with your analysis. Um, I think one reason why he was so low, because I was looking at a lot of the, the consolidated draft boards, and a lot of them had him at like seven, five, eight, blah, blah, blah. And I think that really alludes to his lack of ice time uh, with Forlunda last year. I think they're fairly uh, fairly stacked team, and his points per game was significantly lower than other guys who've gone high in the draft, like Leas Anderson or Capocaco, for example. Um but the thing that I really like about someone like him is he already plays in a men's league. And this early glimpse of him this year is just showing that he has the ability to already play in a men's league in a bigger role. And I think last year he ha- averaged like less than a minute of power play time a game, which is nothing. Whereas some of these other guys are playing in their OHL junior teams and they're 
playing the entire game. So I like knowing that he can already excel in a men's league. Um, and he definitely has the, the, the potential to be like a third overall pick. I think, I think he just needs to get a little bit bigger and, uh, continue to develop. So, um, I would almost be shocked if he's there at four. Yeah, that's a great point, Evan. And it's going to lead to this, this conversation here, which is that, it's not popular with a lot of people because a lot of people don't like when rankings change and there's, you know, people are saying, oh, you're just bandwagoning and you're, there's a lot of recency bias and like, look, that's all very fair. Um, I mean, I would rather, you know, evaluate players on their most recent performances. I would, you'd obviously take the body of work into account, but if Lucas Raymond's playing right now and he looks bigger, stronger, faster, already playing in a men's league, that would definitely make me reevaluate where I have them on my list. I, again, if all things being equal, if you had two months ago, Cole Perfetti and Lucas Raymond, again, I'm using these two hypothetically because they're both wingers and they're both highly skilled and they play relatively similar games. If you had them at a dead heat, the fact that Lucas Raymond is currently performing at one of the highest levels in the entire world, yeah, that's recency bias. But that's also confirmation in some ways of what you thought of Lucas Raymond. So, yeah, that should be your tiebreaker. It shouldn't be the reason you pick him, but it's more information. You now have a wider sample size to evaluate this prospect. And you're going, wow, his sample size got bigger and it's more impressive. That's There's no negatives to that. That shouldn't dissuade you from picking him because of that oh yeah we can't pick him he's been too good lately people will think it's recency bias no that's it's confirmation of what you already thought and if you didn't think that two months ago you can look at this as an aberration and go yeah but we don't think he's going to keep it up it shouldn't change your mind per se i mean it should because he's unreal but if you were that against him this small of sample size won't sway you but if you were high on him yeah it's just confirming what you thought yeah, if if you're a um it's vindication also for Lucas Raymond I might say because he's a player obviously who wanted to be have a bigger role and there were scouts who weren't big on him because they didn't have that kind of exposure to him and there was people who were you know banging their fists on the table for him because they saw what was there and so if he continues to do this it's vindication for him it's him saying yeah I am the player that some of you who thought I was and thank you uh for seeing that and for the rest of you you know screw you this is what you're missing out on um if, if you're a Red Wings fan who wants the absolute highest potential from that pick, I, I really see Lucas Raymond as being a great option for that. Not saying Perfetti can't be, not saying Rossi can't be, but in terms of overall absolute highest ceiling, like everything absolutely goes right in their development. This player pans out to 100% of their ability. I think Lucas Raymond has just the amount of a, a level of skill that could be game breaking in the NHL. That right shot off the left wall is, is very, very attractive. Lucas Raymond, uh, potential fourth overall pick for the Red Wings, one of the most likely fourth overall picks for the Red Wings, provided he's there and Ottawa doesn't get too hot to try out on him third overall. So um, that is a player to look out for. If you have not watched uh, Lucas Raymond's highlights, well, the good good thing uh, for you is that he's continuing to make them right now. Um, more on him to come pre-draft of course but for now that is our uh raymond profile 
Uh, Wheeler had a Q&A, and uh, he mentioned that the Red Wings have link, been linked to both Perfetti and Raymond. So, I would hope so. That, yeah, and yet, Helene, and yet Helene St. James keeps trumpeting Drysdale. So who the hell actually knows? We are less than 10 days out, and nobody knows anything, which makes for great content. So I thank Stevie for being so goddamn secretive. When's yeah. the draft again, Ryan? Uh, October 6th. Okay. Yeah. Um, my blood pressure though, very high. Although I don't feel str- like I, I have three players in my mind who I'd be like thrilled with and probably four more who I'm still also probably thrilled with. Like I, I can't sit here and say I hate a lot of players, but we're going to get to that. That's a bigger conversation. Yeah, I ha- well, just say the names. Uh, Perfetti, Rossi, Raymond. If we're not counting Byfield and Stutzla, I'm, yeah. I'm same with those three. And then if it's, Drysdale or Holtz, I'm I'm less happy, but still happy. And then if it's Askarov, I'm I going to be processing I, that for a few months. Brad is pulling a Ryan and giving us the the full essay. I just said names. Give me the names. Brad's doing it this time, not me. I'm learning. I'm here for the content, Evan. Ryan, you're learning after a very long YouTube <laughs> critiques. <laughs> I appreciate it, though. I always do get the novels, eh? Yes. Uh, any, oh, I guess the Stanley Cup. Let's talk very quickly here about the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, almost ended last night. Yeah, I'm very I rattled. I had to stay up that late. Thanks for nothing, Tampa and Dallas. Yeah, I only Corey did Perry the first o- end of the first overtime, and that's when I was but, but, past by the time. By the way, why is everybody so upset about that back-to-back? They're playing in a bubble with basically nothing else to do. The They've been... F- operating under a every other day schedule so if people they had given them a two-day rest between the conference finals and the finals people would have been pissed there they're not gonna put a cup final game up against sunday night football so what like really what else was the nhl gonna do there because it makes me think of 2009 brad and that makes me sad (laughs) because that was scientifically if you look it up the definition of that was bullshit and that's as much as i'll say about that all right, um, it is, wow, hour five of just pure content. Oh, God, I miss Red Wings hockey so much. <laughs> Guys, we have I'll, every I'll time. I'll ask you that again when we're 10 games into the season. Yeah, yeah every time you are starting to go through with withdrawals like I am, just go back and watch the highlights of the Minnesota game, and you'll be good for another couple weeks. That Minnesota game is dead in my mind. Guys, uh, this Thursday, uh, likely Thursday, we are going to have our last uh, prospect profile episode. That will obviously be Perfetti. Um, and then before the draft, we will still have one more episode. That it will be Sunday, October 4th. That will be our big NHL draft, 2020 NHL draft preview episode. It will include full analysis. Um, it will include our rankings. It will include possibly some guests. Um, it's going to include maybe second and third round targets. It's going to have everything for you. And then, um, obviously the draft will be on October 6th and 7th. We will be live streaming. Uh, so keep an eye out for the YouTube link. If you don't follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash winged wheel pod, and then follow our personal accounts as well. They're in the bio. Um, lots of, lots of content to come. We are, uh, full steam ahead here. Okay. Overtime. Overtime on this episode of the Wind Wheel Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Uh, they're the reason we're able to give you all this um, 
content from uh, through, I guess, our own personal bubbles. That's why we're recording remotely. They're the reason why we've been able to continue, continue the show. So thank you all very much. First comment here is from Dylan Krill, who says, Hey, guys, would you consider the following for 2C options for the wings and how much term and money would you be comfortable with? Grandland, Hala, and Wenberg if bought out. Grandland, no. He he strikes me as that guy, that average second-line player who's going to get way overpaid in free agency despite the pandemic just because of a reputation that he has. And he was a very good player, but he's coming off a very poor season. I would not go north of $5 million longer than two or three years if, if he was coming here. And Grandland is obviously going to get a lot more than that. I do like the idea of Eric Halla because injuries have really derailed him since his breakout season in Vegas. I think he'd come relatively short-term and relatively cheap, but he has enough upside to fill that role pretty well. Again, if the Red Wings are willing to dive into free agency, which, as I've stated numerous times, I don't, I'm not a big fan of them doing. Um, and Wenberg, eh, eh, I don't, I don't love it. I wouldn't give him much of term or dollars, if I'm being honest. Yeah, pretty much unless it's something that's like a crazy deal. I'm trying to fill that 2C role internally for now. And then I'm worrying more about filling it with a, a free agent when the team is closer to competing or when you need someone more viable for premier wingers. Um, next comment here is from Evan is looking at WAP while recording podcasts. <laughs> How did they Says, know? Woo, woo, Mark Stahl in a second for future considerations. Good shit, Eisman. Resounding Gagne is good. Uh, for the truly the first time in a long time, I'm excited for Red Wings hockey. Draft is on my vacation day, so I'm stoked, and I'm so glad Erickson is finally gone. I remember the day when the days when Andreas Lilia and him would be on the ice, and it would be one oh. of the two of them to take a penalty. The fact that old man Kenny send, signed him to that big deal is unforgivable. I would have rather have had Brad as our defenseman, and the dude is like 5'2", 160, and he'd be more intimidating than Erickson. <laughs> oh, shit, Brad, he's coming for you. Um, Brad might not have played defense, but neither did Jonathan. I don't hate him, but I'm glad he's no longer a Red Wing. Enjoy Edmonton. One question. Why did Mark's deal go through while he had a no trade clause? Eisenman in the presser said he had one. Um, the, the clause didn't happen in that deal, or there's something to do with New York that he couldn't elaborate further on. Uh, thanks, WAP gang. Cap friendly tweeted out pretty matter of factly that, uh, there wasn't an out clause in his contract and that he had to waive it to come. And so I'm just assuming Mark Stahl waived to go to Detroit because presumably because he didn't want to get bought out or because that's what the Rangers would have likely had to have done. And that he'll probably actually get some playing time in Detroit, which he might not have got anymore in New York. So I'll just assume he waived. I don't think it really matters a ton at this point. Yeah, it seems like it was like a backroom wave and they didn't want to say it because I think it was either, you know, you wave it or we buy you out and then you have no team, potentially no team to play for. Also, Eisman, when he answers questions that he doesn't want to, like stuff that he finds meaningless, he gives people a lot of words without saying much. And I think that's intentional and that might be what this is. Uh, James Phoenix says, good day, lads. Well, it finally happened. Big E and Trev came off the books to ride off into the sunset, and Corey Perry continues to find new exciting ways for us to despise him. However, the groundbreaking news is obviously Steve Eisman working his magic once more to secure a second uh, courtesy of Mark Stahl and his cap dump. Um and he asked about the new move clause, which we just answered. Uh, also, I like the Gagne re-signing. It's a very team-friendly one-year deal. Um, and with 
With Stahl, if he stays, he'll be another solid veteran presence who's a total pro and can actually contribute both in the locker room and on the ice. <laughs> the question now is, uh, what do you realistically think will happen to Abdulkader and Nielsen? Um, yeah, those are... Well, Nielsen's going to play because they don't have many more options at center. Helene St. James, I remember at the beginning of the the world ending, she she seemed pretty certain he was going to Grand Rapids. I, I don't know if the Red Wings have the heart or the balls to do that. I mean, Eisman, Eisman obviously. Would. Eisman, Eisman left Marty St. Louis off Team Canada. He yeah, yeah. If anybody's going to do it, I mean, that's what I would do. So I, I, I think he's just going to be bound for Grand Rapids and they're going to have to eat the back half of his contract. Which is like, you don't like the idea of having that much money in the minors, but that's so, that conversation so long ago. That's what I, I, I think is the ideal. You don't like having that much money in the minors, but you don't like having that player in the NHL. So I lost my spot here. Uh, living for the draft here, so counting down the days. Here's to the next wave of Swedish and German mafia in hockey town. Cheers, boys. Terry says, good day, dud duds. Terry here. Should we tell the Lions that the season started three weeks ago? Oh, well, perhaps they sell the team and then Rowan can buy them and relocate them to Quebec. Hey, we won today, man. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, go pack go and sup, Allie. Chris B says, what's up, fellas? What a tough loss for the Lions today. They started off hot as usual, but another classic Patricia meltdown brings us to 0-3. I'm just assuming this holds true. You are wrong, Chris. We won. Stafford won. Uh, who would you rather have right now, Demko or Shostjorkin? Shostjorkin, 1,000%. Just, just for age, right? For age, and Demko had that hot run in the playoffs, but Shesterkin had a great season once he started playing. How old is Shesterkin? He's not that much younger than Demko, if at all. Oh, he's 24. Yeah, they're practically the same age. But Turcotte or Rossi? What's that? Turcotte or Rossi? Rossi. Yeah, I'm going Rossi here, too. Yes, me um, too. Yeah, for, for those who are listening who are wondering what Evan's opinions are, he often just nods. So if he has something differing, he'll tell us. You were trying to get our subscribers up on YouTube. I need to restrict content to YouTube then. Why? Because more people see your ugly and I can, mug? They'll see me nod, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll do it's a, a kickflip one day on uh, a Patreon-exclusive <laughs> episode. Can I? Can we just film you trying to skateboard? Dude, I, it is embarrassing. As someone who's snowboarded for 22 years, it is embarrassing. Oh, Evan snowboarding bingo card. There's and the funny thing is, says. when I was at the shop today, the, the one person working in there was like, oh, you'll have no problem. I was like, oh, thank God. I have problems. Lots of them. <laughs> Lots of them. Uh, Zadina or Holtz? Zadina. Me too. Doc or Brady Kachuk? Doc. I'm going Doc here. Yeah, me too. Now that I thought about it. Caulfield or Pod Colson? Ooh, Caulfield. Yeah, I just want the goals. Just give me the goals. I'll say Pod Colson. <laughs> Blashill or Patricia? <laughs> Death. That's a Ryan question. <laughs> uh, Can I say Sean McDermott? Honestly, Jeff Blashill. Oh. <laughs> He's had more. He's he's had less to work with than Matt Patricia has. Kyle Sanders says hi, uh, hello boys. I have some pressing questions that need to be answered. Ugh. Would you rather eat a pound of scabs in one sitting, no chasers, or be blamed for the entirety of the Vietnam War? The latter. 
My God. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take the emotional pain versus the, you know, physical disgust. Also, I'm noticing a lot of Ohio hating in this podcast. And as an OSU fan, I can't stand for it. I'm formally requesting that you salty ass Michigan fans quit trying to chirp the far superior Ohio State University. Also, go Eagles. Peace. Not trying to make a lot of friends among this fan base, are you? <laughs> Look, you know what? I There are a lot of lovely listeners who unfortunately have to live in Ohio and unfortunately cheer for Ohio State. Sure, you beat the Wolverines a lot. Sure, we've blown a lot of big games. But it's Ohio State. C-Nod says, uh, hey, guys, if you haven't discussed this yet, do you think that the big uh, – precedent of this trade or the the big point of this trade is to set the market i might be blanking but this is the first real cap dump and five mil for one year with a second rounder is a pretty good starting point um yeah i i think a lot of it was like i think you can use like the jim rutherford stuff as a as an argument to say that set a lot of the market right like you're not going to go out and get a first like um carolina did for Marlowe when you have jim rutherford paying way more than he should for the assets that he's he's getting when in reality maybe he shouldn't have um paid any assets at all does that make sense yeah but at the same time i think the only reason eiserman would care about setting the market is if he's like on the phone hey jim benning we just got a second round pick for one year of a cheaper mark stall if you think we're taking on louis erickson's contract without a first round pick you're high that would be about the only reason i think he would care um, goes on to say, also looking at the Rangers, the Truba contract is going to come back and hurt them bad. What do you think oh, yeah. about it? Oh, we didn't like that, that from the start. We hated that contract from day one. That is going to be a dumpster fire of a deal in like three to four years. It's already not looking good. Um, they paid eight mil for basically what Heronic offers this, uh, on the table right now. Not saying that as a knock on Heronic, but I'd be surprised if his contract comes up north of four million. Heronic's better. Yeah, we've had that conversation in the past. Anal- analytically speaking, too, backs it up that Heronic's better. Just your average Teej says, so a stall cider pairing? Sure. Um, yeah, fine. I'd rather see cider with like someone more offensively minded, but I guess. Uh, yeah, his options are Nemeth, DeKaiser, and Stahl. Like your offensive dynamo of that group is Danny DeKaiser. Moving on, Michael Berry says, "Hey guys, hope all is well. Now that Eisenman declared he's go, he's open to the market, when do you think the next salary dump is going to be, and who do you think it will be?" I think we're going to see a lot of them right around the draft because free agency opens up two days after. You know, there's no legal tampering window this year, but that's not going to stop teams. So once teams start to get a feel for whether or not you know they got a shot at a Taylor Hall or an Alex Petrangelo or whoever then they will start panicking because they will need to clear the cap room relatively quickly or they make the deal and then, you know, they have to make a panic trade after because they're over the cap. So I'm not necessarily thinking we're going to see a ton in the next week. I mean, I hope I'm wrong for the content, but um, I'm thinking draft week, we're going to see a couple more. Whether or not it's Detroit, I don't know, but I think we'll see a couple more. Uh, Jake Nagy says, what's up, guys? Here's a list of the 10 most discussed rumors on Red Wings Twitter. How many of them do you think, not want, but think will actually come true? So yes or no quickly, guys, for these. Wings draft Perfetti fourth overall. Yes. Yes. Uh, Wings draft Shakir Mukhamadoulin 32nd. No. No. I'll say no just because it's so hard to project that far out. Wings trade a package of seconds or thirds to move up into the late first. 
No. 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 Wings draft a goalie in the second. No. I'm going to qualify that by saying third round. Yeah, I'll say no. But maybe. I'll say no, even though I want it to happen with Dawes. Um, Wings sign Markstrom. I'm still going to say no. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense. I'll say no as well. There isn't like a total bunch of key indicators that are jumping out saying, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wings sign Krug. No. No. Wings acquire two additional bad contracts. Half no. Yeah, I'll say no. They only get one more. That's what I was thinking. One. Uh, Abdulkader gets sent to Grand Rapids. Yes. No. Oh. Cider on the opening night roster. Yes. Yes. And Larkin getting the C. Yes. I just said Abdulkader was staying in the on the red <laughs> Get out. Go break um, your other ankle. Jethro E says gluten tog sirs. This week I finally finished season mode in NHL 20 and won the cup with the wings. Won the president's trophy. Larks was a heart winner. Phillip filled enough nets to win the Calder and Nemeth won Consmyth. Yikes. All I had to do is trade for Laner and uh, Merzlikens to make it happen. Come on, Stevie, get on those phones and get those deals done. It's sad that winning a video game Stanley Cup feels like the best thing that happened in Michigan sports in the last four or five years. Liz B says it's happened. Finally, Jonathan Erickson is Jonathan Erickson is no longer on the team. Thank you, sweet baby Jeebus. If he had been kept around and paid as a guy uh, who's mostly in the AHL and gets brought up when injuries happen, I wouldn't have had any problem with him being here so long. Once had a nightmare that Detroit had to play Game 7 in a Stanley Cup final against Pittsburgh in 09. They lost, and the only goal they scored was done so by Erickson. Thankfully, it was only a nightmare since the playoffs just stopped being played that year once Detroit beat Chicago. I had the okay. same nightmare. Liz. Honest question, because I've blanked that out. Did Erickson actually score the one that night? Yeah, he did, right? I don't remember. I've literally tried to block that game from my memory. I yeah. don't know who scored that goal for Cronwell Detroit. hit the crossbar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fuck. What a dark La, night. Uh, La Plata Peak says, oh, I believe is a new patron. Welcome. And thank you for supporting the show. Says, my dream scenario is that the New Jersey is that New Jersey falls in love with Raymond or Rossi and offers to move up to number four in exchange for picks 7, 18, and 20, with the Wings also giving up pick 32. Are you all good with this scenario? And if so, do you believe the Wings would be best suited with whoever's left over? Holtz, Perfetti, Lundell, etc. from the top skaters available? Or would they be best suited taking Askarov at number seven, knowing they have picks 18 and 20 in reserve? 7, 18, and 22. 7, 18, and 20. For 4 and 32. Uh, I'm going to say no. Just because I don't have enough confidence in 18 and 20 turning into like impact players. Whereas I I know at pick four that should be an impact player. There will be impact players available at four. At seven, I'm not sure because if I would guess that pick would be Holtz or Askarov or Sanderson. Ah, yeah. I if you could guarantee me one of Drysdale, Rossi, Raymond, or Perfetti would fall to seven, I would do it. But there's no way to guarantee that, so I don't well, they know. They would, right? 
No. So let's say the fourth is Perfetti, five's Raymond, six is oh yeah, Ross. Yeah, you're right. So maybe, yeah. maybe you'd have to get a little lucky. No, wait. Uh, Perfetti top Raymond. three is top three. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. That would be okay. My math sucks, so I might actually do that then. It's you know what? I would do that. Though. I would do that because I think Drysdale would go. So I think we would get one of Perfetti, Raymond, or Rossi there. I really do. Yeah, it's Sanderson might even though. go too. Honestly, Ottawa has been linked to him, so maybe. Yeah, I would Evan, make that trade. Evan's bingo card says, I've noticed I've been getting a lot of use lately, so Ryan must be up to his usual tricks. All I can say is I hope Evan has been getting good deals on all the bingo dabbers he's been going through. Now that Stevie has acquired his first bad contract uh, and seeing the asset he received for it, does it temper expectations going forward on potential returns for more? I don't quite know the Rangers cap situation, but it seems like offloading more than $5 million in cap room could have got the Red Wings first. Thanks for the pod, as always. Yeah, we chatted about it before. You have to consider actual dollars. You have to consider the, the situation New York's in. I, don't know. I, I think it sets the market for, yeah, they should get a first because Mark Stahl, as far as bad contracts out there to offload, his was probably the best. So if you're taking on a worse contract than that, the asking price is now higher than a second. So, I mean, I, I think Eisenman did good there, and I think it set a good precedent if he wants to make another one. Because if he takes on another similar contract, great, another second-round pick. But if he takes on any multi-year contract, like with two years left on it, like Louis Erickson, I know we keep going back to that one, That that's that's a first. That There's no debate. That's a first. Plus, probably. The towering behemoth Leviathan says, is there any chance the Red Wings can loan Stahl to the Lions to improve their D? Feels like a win-win, really, and maybe it can get done for a pick in the 2021 NFL draft. Joking aside, how would you want to pair the D pairings now with what we got? Stahl with Chalosky as a third <laughs> pair would probably uh, work well for Chalosky. Maybe let him and Lindstrom alternate on the third with Stahl. I think people are being really ambitious about Stahl. I'm not expecting anything from him. I think people are being ambitious about Lindstrom, but if if I were building the pairings, it would be Heronic to yourself, huh? Yeah, it would be Heronic to Kaiser, Cider Nemeth, Chalosky, Stahl, and then Bieger Bowie is the seventh guy. That would be my ideal. Um, once Danny to Kaiser gets hurt, like he always does, uh, then yeah, you move Chalosky back to the left, and then you promote Bieger Bowie onto a regular rotation. <laughs> Uh, Darren Helm Stan Club says, Hey guys, been a while. In Eiserman's presser, there was no talk about the C. Looks like Helm still has a chance. This year's team looks to be a combination of prospects and overpaid vets. Good for at least 20 wins, right? Excited to see the draft day content all aboard the Raymond train. Anyways, Ryan, we all know the reason the Big Ten were dragging their feet was because the team up north didn't want to continue the streak. Go Bucks, OH, at least college football will fill the void until the next NHL season. Number 43 forever. Why are you guys taking so many Michigan pot shots at me today? What, just because my Lions won for once? You had to find another wound to stab into? Jerks. I wish Evan cared more about other sports so you guys could pick on him. No, you, guys should no. be the, you guys should be the skateboard and Evan should be Evan's ankle. That would hurt a lot. 
Mo Money, Mo Picks says, hey, boys, new, new to Patreon and happy to join the team. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for supporting the show. For all of the new patrons, um, we really, really, really appreciate you guys. Keep up the great work. Really excited to see the flurry of moves shortly after the cup final is done. I was really happy to take on Stahl for one year and have a second in the process. Tampa seems to be a team in true cap hell, and Friedman mentioned them as a target for an offer sheet. Do you think Stevie tries to make a trade with Tampa, and if he can't, do you think he throws an offer sheet at a guy like Sergachev? 22 years old, looks seriously good this postseason. I mean, Stevie traded for Sergachev, so I know he likes him, but again, offer sheets are so rich. And the picks the Red Wings would be giving up are going to be a premium. So I will repeat over and over and over again, until the Red Wings are a contender, I do not like the idea of them offer sheeting anyone because I don't want Tampa picking first overall because we got a little antsy. A good time to do it would be when you think the next season you'll be well outside the top 10, mm-hmm. which is not like- Detroit. If that needs to be clarified. A year or two from now. Two years from now. Right after we sign Seth Jones and Zach Rowanski. There's very few players in this league worth (laughs) offer sheeting, period, even if you're a good team. Because, again, once you get up to the premium players, you're giving up like four first-round picks or like two plus a second. It's it's generally not a good way to do business. You'd be better off just making a straight-up trade for these players because you'd probably get them cheaper. They need to change the offer sheet rules like Zach Warensky needs to change his name because it trips up too many people. Um, thoughts on Chalosky now without a spot? Yeah, like we mentioned, there's going to be a lot that has to shake out between now and then. And it seems like he might be the odd man out. But I wouldn't be surprised. Like I, I think I don't think Eisman lets him base down there for too much longer. Okay, uh, Quaz says, so uh, that second boat I got, the engine block is cracked. Damn, this means the engine is dead and I need to replace it. Oh, I feel like we're guilty on that one. This is basically worst case scenario, but fortunately I considered this when I bought it. Even replace the engine, replacing the engine, I can still maintain, uh, still remain in the black, which is profit. Oh, yeah, screw you, man. Remember, boats are an acronym for bring on another thousand. Uh, Evan Pardo says, what term in AAV is ideal yet realistic for Krug? Somewhat worried we overpay for a 30-year-old defenseman. So a hypothetical Red Wings contract, in my mind, would be five times. You won't get him for this, but five times seven and a half? I think seven and a half is reasonable. I I think he'll take that or less, but that's a lot, and I wouldn't personally sign that if I were the GM. But yeah, that's about best case realistic scenario if they were dead set on signing him my or best case to, scenario is they still don't sign him but it's okay sign him to like four four by eight with no no move clause or anything and then just trade him <laughs> uh tj nasty says hey dud duds a report came out today that krug might be moved tomorrow four teams on the list wings avalanche knights and panthers of those who do you think he goes to we already talked about whether it's worth it to trade for his rights um and his contract stuff uh, thanks for the content, guys. So, of those four, who's the most likely to get Krug? Vegas. I'll go Avalanche here. They would be my next pick. Maybe Florida, but they would need to somehow do a little bit of wizardry. 
Hassam Al-Qasem says, reading the uh, Brad and Steve Dangle exchange on Twitter about Krug has me thinking, Krug wants to get paid plus term. What would a realistic sign-and-trade deal look like if Detroit does acquire Krug to do a sign-and-trade? Ooh. Uh, Sign-and-trade. Well, the only reason that would make... Like, are you talking about with Boston? They sign him and then we trade for him to get the eighth year because that's awful. But if Detroit acquires his rights and then signs him, retains, and then trades, I mean, so we'd be retaining part of a salary for friggin' five, six, or seven years. That would have to be a really goddamn big return because you're screwing your cap for a long ass time. I, I, I mean, don't know how an immediate trade would work. I don't know why. So, what crew like, would do if it. you're retaining two million for six years, like I'm not asking for anything less than a first plus. That is a long ass time to have a cap hit for literally nothing. So yeah, no, I'm I'm asking massive return on that from whatever team I'm trading him to. Um, another former junior goalie turned golfer says golf season is wrapping up soon here in Chicago. And with the U S being in literal flames and also metaphorically, I'm ruling out playing any men's league hockey, having, uh, have indoor restrictions loosened up in time for the fall winter season, beer league, uh, in Ontario, or is it like life here in Chicago where life exists in my apartment, the golf course and the local grocery store? Well, my senior a season just got canceled. So that was officially scrapped, which sucks. No fish uh, fry this year, Ryan. Yeah, my go to meet the players. <laughs> no Brad jersey signed. Milverton four wheel drives. <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't upset about it. Thanks, guys. Uh, my beer league's still <laughs> running um, with all the home dressing regulations uh, and limited roster sizes. So there's something at least. But yeah, with the still with the weird regulations around it. So it's something. Side question for Evan, what's it like using the dumb imperial system on the golf course but metric for everything else? I think I would be lost if I used metric on the golf course. If someone said it, the, the pin was 63 meters away at this point, I'd be so confused. I'd have no idea how far away that is. Close range. Like If I'm putting, I prefer feet. But in terms of how far something went, I think I'd prefer meters. I don't know. I'm so used to yards. Like Yards is just universal across the golf world. Um, Datsuk's priest says, Hey fellas, new Patreon subscriber here. Love what you guys do. Well, welcome. And thank you for all you've given in terms of content and, and for supporting the show. Uh, Helene St. James keeps arguing that Drysdale is the best pick, which I don't agree with. Seems like she's overvaluing him simply because there aren't a lot of good defensemen in this draft. With that being said, if Drysdale was in the 2021 draft, uh, where do you think he would rank among the defensemen? Third or fourth. I'm really right. high on Clark and Lambo, some power and Edvinson even. There'd be a reality where I could see Drysdale being the fifth off the board, but obviously there's a whole year to determine that. So I'll, I'll say conservatively three to five. He'd be I one of the you- third to fifth defensemen off the board. Yeah, and I think you're right in saying that a lot of that's coming because there's not a lot of good defensemen in this draft. Red Wings fans and people who cover the Red Wings have seen this team be abysmal on defense for a long time, so they're just always trying to itch to solve that right away. And I'm not saying Drysdale would necessarily be the wrong pick, but I think there is a lot of overvaluation of him going on for that reason. And uh, yeah, the the defense in this draft is so thin. There are actually Red Wings fans arguing for jake sanderson at number four if you need to know how crazy this has gotten with the 
overvaluation of defense. Uh, and I don't even think Jake Sanderson would be a terrible pick from like pick six and later. I just don't think based on who's there, Jake Sanderson is, is the right guy. If this was a weaker draft year, I could absolutely see Jake Sanderson going top five or like in my mind should, but regardless. Obier Juan Kenobi says, well, we got our veteran left shot defenseman so everyone can shut up about Tori Krug. Also, if we draft Shakir Mukamadulin at 32 or anywhere else in the first three rounds, I'm throwing myself off a cliff. <laughs> five points in 11 games in the KHL so far. Everybody get on board. Joseph Fournier says, hey there, fellas. Word is New Jersey is willing to trade their 18th or 20th overall pick for a young defensive prospect. Would Tulowski fit? If not, is there a trade that makes sense? Also, uh, please put to rest the Mantha Bertuzzi departure rumors. Lots of bad takes slash clickbait out there, especially now. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. Those are bad, bad opinions. Um, I don't think. New Jersey would take Chalosky for 18th. He's still a project and he's older. They might as well take a project defenseman who's younger at, with those picks. I mean, I like Chalosky and I still think he's got a good future, but if New Jersey offered us 18th for him, I'm jumping on it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, looking, oh yeah, and yeah, they're not going anywhere. And looking forward to the end of the playoffs, then we'll see who Eisman covets on Tampa Bay. Stay fresh, cheese bags. And last Patreon comment here is from lifelong Corey Perry fan, Finger Guns Brad says, Good day, dud duds. What a wonderful clutch as heck overtime victory it was yesterday by my beloved pointy D's. I'm sure everyone was stoked to see my boy Corey Perry get the game winner to force game six and begin the inevitable slide and choke again by the no Eisman team. Look, I know this is a hockey podcast, but how about those Lions? Absolutely never in doubt today as they did the thing and then Matt Prater also did the thing to kill the Redbirds. Gotta be honest, the Wings should sign him exclusively for shootouts. Anyway, I never, I've never been so sure of a 14-2 and two season, but here we are. Let's heck and go. Jersey time. It's a special crossover episode where you get to mash up a corresponding city's NFL or MLB uniform with a hockey jersey. What team are you doing and how are you applying the colors? Examples, Rangers and Jets, Leafs and Raptors, Blues and Cardinals. When you constantly carry Honolulu Blue uh, hope around every season, store it in a safe, fresh cheese bag to ensure the haters do not sully it. Stay fresh cheese bags, bring our fourth quarter, come from behind game-winning drives and field goals into Fournier Company. So wait, we have to take the template of a hockey jersey and apply a non-hockey jersey okay. to it? Because the the there's an NFL team whose uniforms I absolutely would love to see in hockey, but there's not an NHL team in that city. You have to, it, there has to be the same city and you can just cross over aspects of their jerseys. So color, like apply like Detroit Lions colors to the Red Wings. Um, yeah. What's the, what's the closest NHL team to San Francisco? San Jose? I have my bad California. I saw this geography. on Instagram a few days ago. If it, I'm going to just say San Jose. So I'm taking the San Francisco 49ers red and gold and I'm giving them a red jersey with gold accents. San Jose, it, it is San Jose. Yeah, they're 42 miles away from San That's my pick because San, San Francisco's color scheme is elite and I would love to see it on a hockey jersey. Mm, I'm trying to think. I like, I, I really like the, the Chargers jerseys, but they obviously are. Well, the Kings, they're Los Angeles now. Yeah, the LA Chargers. Jacksonville Jaguar. Who? What team are you doing there? Florida. Oh, is it geography? No, I like. Yeah, they Florida's have to have. The, they have to have the team would, in the same. Jacksonville city. would be Tampa Bay. L.A. with the char- the Kings with the Chargers colors, just because it would be not black and white. I think that'd be fun. 
the no, the Eagles wouldn't look good in anything but green. That's tough. Who else is there? The Washington football team. The Washington Capitals with the Washington football team colors would be dope. Oh, that would be so dope. I would love, you know, those Florida, I think it was the Florida Marlins did those like 80s Miami Vice. Like That was the Heat. The Miami Heat. Yeah. In Florida on the Panthers. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. That is, that is the correct answer to this question. Okay. Time for a couple of Reddit questions here. Um, Holy moly. What a goalie says. I have only one thing to say. This is the top ranked comment. So I'm reading it. He says, um, Peanuth. <laughs> that is all. Please continue with your mindless rambles. Um, Yarvik7, very quickly, bring these guys back or not? Yes or no? Bowie. Yeah, you need death. No. <laughs> Ernie. No. I'm on no right now. Uh, Perlini. No. Nah. Is this the question resign? Yeah, bring yeah. them back or not? Yes. Um, Timashov. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. N. N. Yes. You need depth. Terjan. It doesn't matter. Also, sure. For Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids. Hiroshi also for Grand Rapids. I, I still think Hiroshi could be a contributor on the third line. Yep. Kyle Wood. Is it Kyle Wood? Kyle Wood. Yeah. Grand Rapids needs depth. Um, and then, oh yeah, there it is. That's it. Okay. Uh, Evan, pick a number between Five. one and four. One Five. and four. Okay. Then that defaults back to one. Han Solo Mail says, why is no one pointing out the fact that 75% of Rossi's points have come versus bottom feeder teams? Because there were a lot of bottom feeder teams in the Eastern Conference and the OHL. So he really didn't have that many games against top teams. It's worth noting when you talk about him like breaking records and things like that, but it's also not a bad sign that the, he does dominate against those teams. You have to, you do have to take it into consideration because if you're going purely by his points, then yeah, he's the guy's a top three pick, and it's not really a question. So I don't know. Um, it's not a game breaker for me, but it's definitely something to take into consideration. All right, we are going to wrap this one up. We will be back with you guys midweek. Um, oh, Wednesday. we forgot to mention the giveaway. Oh, shoot. We'll announce the Zadina card giveaway. Yeah, and uh, the one that we're going to be posting with this episode, the other one. You tell them, Brad. So we've got, again, we gave away the Zadina card uh, with the last episode, and we'll be announcing that winner on the midweek episode. But we also have a bunch of sealed hockey card boxes. So with this episode, we got a box of 2019-20 Upper Deck Credentials. Um, So I've already opened it, filmed it. It's going to be posted on YouTube. So someone will be winning the entire contents of that box, which retails for, I can't remember, a hundred and something dollars. So huge price. Um, yeah, it uh, it was fun. It brought back some memories. I felt weird. It was good. And someone's going to get very lucky. Blink twice if there's a really good card. Brad's video is so pixelated. <laughs> it I went so can't. grainy. I was like, yeah. I blinked. All right. Well, that just uh, adds to the mystery. We're going to wrap up this episode. Thank you all for listening. For all of our new listeners, um, 
welcome and i think i'm sorry uh, for all of our patreon supporters we love you our name level sponsors terry arjun shanker greech jeremiah dobo jake kiefer evan is looking at wop while recording a podcast andrew bohan scott martin jacob turner matt mckay craig kibble brandon m matthew m rice luke johnson kaylin wood hassam al Qasem, charlie elkins hana lee another former junior goalie turned golfer I believe that's what it is. Yeah. Um, Obir Juan Kenobi, Trevor Pevavar, Evan, Evans Bingo Card, Ashley Van Conant, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Quaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. Uh, we will be back assuming Evan survives his Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.